Are you ready for the word? Father, I thank you. We thank you for the word of God this morning. We invite you, Holy Spirit, as the teacher. We want to mature and grow. Mature sons are obedient sons. And Lord, we invite you that by revelation we can rightly divide the word this morning from a new covenant economy. Lord, a new covenant relationship, a Christ-filled individual. Lord, that we can learn to love you from you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, Uh, this week, let's eat or sit with Jesus in Romans 6.17. Talks about obedience from the heart. Uh, We've been talking about the centrality of Jesus and, and laying Him as the foundation, centering everything on Christ for the last two years. For a couple of years, um, we've been doing this. Jesus taught and, and embodied, demonstrated, modeled truth. God is our Father. The Father's kingdom is accessible now. It's in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is here. He never left. Regeneration. And then uh, obedience. And so we want to continue this morning on obedience from, bless you, from a new covenant perspective. If you're abiding in the Lord... You're living connected to Him. You're listening to His voice, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So we don't have a faith problem. We have a listening problem. We need to be listening. If you're doing that and you're abiding in Him, all that's left is yes. All all that's left is for you to say yes. He's supplying the grace. He's supplying the faith. You and I supply the yes. So let's go to Luke 6, uh, verse 46. Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't, do the things which I ask you to do. Jesus taught and modeled obedience. And we're Christ's followers. So when we say or hear Jesus is Lord, I mean, we, we adhere to that, right? Jesus is Lord. Well, do you know what Lord means? It means He's in charge, not you. He, he's the boss. He's the chief decision maker. He's not just resident. He's president. Yeah. So my question is, maybe the Lord's question is, do our lives reflect this, that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father? Is He really in charge? I mean, how many times we have major decisions in our lives and we forget to even say, Lord, is this, is this you? Are, you? are you okay with this? Is this you leading me? To do it, I told you about the pastor and Spencer who they bought ten acres of land, went into debt, and it caused all kinds of financial problems and church problems. And then he he decided to pray at that point, Lord, what's going on? What happened? The Lord said, "I never told you to buy that land. You did that." Verse forty-seven: Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, well, he's like this: a man building a house who dug deep. Everybody say, "Dug deep." We we want to. We want to be deep in Christ, deep in the Word, super spiritual Christ followers, right? Well, digging deep is not, you know, the Greek word for a hundred different versions of Scripture. Digging deep is that you hear what He says and you do it. That's maturity. We dig deep, we lay the foundation on the rock, and when the flood came, the stream beat vehemently against the house. It couldn't shake it. It was founded on the rock. So whether you... ever. Whether you hear the word and do it or hear the word and don't do it, the storms are coming to everybody. The difference is who's your foundation in and upon. Verse 49, but he who had heard and did nothing, well, it was like a man who built the house on the earth without a foundation and the stream came and immediately fell and it fell and the ruin of the house was great. So we want to not only hear what he's asking us to do, But we want to do what he's asking us to do. Mature sons are obedient sons. You know, growing up in church, so much of what I would do, I just read something in the Bible, I try to go do it. I had no partnership with the Lord, therefore I was never empowered to do it. It was hard. And I felt like a failure. Seven years, I invited Christ into my life, uh, my heart when I was 13. For seven years, I tried to live the Christian life. And it, it crucified me. I felt like such a failure. When you're looking at yourself, independent of God, 
to try to do what the Bible says. There's only two places you can go. You're either headed for self-righteousness, that I'm better than everybody else at keeping these rules by God, or you're headed to frustration and defeat, uh, condemnation. That's where I was. But he started teaching me, Steve, I'm not up in heaven cheering or booing you. I'm in you. You invited me in. And I came in. And I want to be in charge. And I have good news for you. Put this in your notes if you're taking notes. The obedient son. How many of you think Jesus was obedient uh, under the point of his own death? He was. Scripture says that. The obedient son is in you. You love God more than you think you do. Many of us just don't know who we are. We don't realize I got a new heart. Ezekiel 36, man, God prophesied it. I get a new heart in Christ. I get a new spirit. I get the very spirit of God. It's on the inside of me. So the obedient son is in you. And let's take a look at what the obedient son does. John 6, 38. Jesus said, I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Romans 5, 19, for as by one man's disobedience, that's Adam, many were made sinners. But by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. That's Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of his own death, even death on the cross. And then Hebrews 10, 5, that is, uh, that is why when Christ came to the world, he said to God, The obedient son said to the father, you didn't want animal sacrifices or sin offerings. You've given me a body to offer you. Yeah. You've got a body to offer the Lord. Present yourselves, Romans 12, as what kind of sacrifices? Living sacrifice. You're not a dead sacrifice that'll lay on the altar dead. You're alive, but you are a sacrifice. You have the freedom of choice to get up off that altar and walk off. So he says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind to the things of God. To who you really are. Who's in you. The relationship you have with the living God. He's He's not delighting in animal sacrifices, sin offerings. He wants you. I remember in Ezekiel 47, the Lord showed me a vision a few years ago. Uh, you remember how it's ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. He led me out into the water. He was inviting me into the river over my head in Ezekiel 47. I had a vision and I saw so many of God's people standing at the bank of the river. And they had a, this guy, he had a stick in his hand that said, my past. And he threw his past into the river. My finances. And he threw his finances into the river. Giving these things to the Lord. Then he had one that said, my family. And he threw that into the river. And the Lord said, no, you walk into the river. I want you. I don't want your stuff. I want you. You walk in fully and completely. And that's where the body of Christ has been. This is a life of complete and total surrender. And it's not rigidity. It's from the heart. The word heart is 800 times in the New Testament. Not once is it about the organ that pumps blood. 800 times. We're new covenant Christ followers that I'm telling you he's dealing with your heart. Don Wheeler had seen this video the other day of some, some guys that, you know, are believing God for our country. They, they happen to be Jewish, but one of them was dialoguing with a, a Christian man and they were talking about pornography. And to the Jew, to the Jew, he's saying, well, it's okay for us in regard to pornography because we're not actually committing the act of adultery but how many of you know for the christ follower jesus hit us right where we live he said you've heard it was said you shouldn't commit adultery but i say to you you look on a woman with lust in your heart you've already committed it you're angry enough to kill your brother you're guilty of murder because he cares about the heart why do you clean the inside of the cup Or sorry, why do you clean the outside of the cup? Don't you know if you clean the inside of a man, the outside will become clean. Jesus went straight for the heart. He didn't come after you with an iron sword. He came after you with a wooden cross. Hit you right where you live, right on the inside. He wants to love you into loving Him. He... He's, he wants to love you into loving Him. Love you into being loyal to Him. Love you into obedience. 
Not scare you. He didn't show up. Jesus didn't come. When God said, I need to reveal myself, man is, is confused. I've got to show up. He didn't show up amidst thunder and lightning and a voice from heaven that said to humanity, obey me or else. That would have created slaves. Instead, he came as a ma- in a manger. Humble. Grew up into manhood, walked up to Golgotha and died for every one of your sins. This is God. This is who He is. He can be like anything. He is God, but this is who He is. And He wants to love you into loving Him. Love you into loyalty and love you into obedience. When we talk about we're a church that relates to God in a new covenant economy, not Old Testament rules, and regulations, but new covenant economy. This is what we're talking about. It's a relationship of love from the heart. That's where he wants to, to get you. Oh man, I didn't, okay. <laughs> Verse six. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Verse seven. Then I said, look, this is again Christ uh, speaking to God here. I've come to do your will, O God, as is written about me. In the scriptures. Remember the road to Emmaus? He had to enlighten them. The scriptures are about me. John chapter 5 verse 39 and 40. You pour over the scriptures. You think in them. You have eternal life. You won't come to me. What's the purpose of the Bible? To bring you to him. You can know it backwards. But if you don't know the author. You're going to hurt a lot of people. Because the author of those scriptures walked up to Calvary and died for the entire world. He didn't just die for the elect select. Whosoever, right? Whosoever would receive him. Jesus is the pattern son. He's the firstborn among many other brethren. Romans 8 says, okay, so... As the pattern son, Jesus did not obey God out of fear. And I mean tormenting fear. He definitely had reverence for God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about demonic fear, terrorizing fear. He didn't, re- he didn't obey the Father out of reward and punishment. I spent so much of my Christian life trying to obey God so He would give me something. Lord, would you please take care of me? Would you give me some money? Would you... It's a total transactional relationship. And then when you don't do it, or the stuff doesn't come in, guess who's to blame? How do you have a relationship with somebody you think is always mad at you? So he never said, you know, if I heal Peter's mother-in-law, the Father will bless our ministry. He wasn't, li- he wasn't living out of blessing and cursing. He was obedient, amen, he was, out of a heart of love for the Father and union with his Father. John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus Christ, the express image of God's nature. So the Spirit inside of Christ, remember he was conceived in Mary's womb as the Son of God, and then at age 30, the Holy Ghost comes upon him. So the Spirit inside him and upon him loved God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's how he was obedient. But even Jesus struggled. Remember the garden? He's sweating drops of blood. That wasn't easy. He struggled, and, and, but he came to the conclusion. Think of how much the Son loved the Father, and yet he struggled. And he came to the conclusion, not my will. But thine will be done. He was an obedient son out of a heart of love. It never says in Scripture that he said, Well, okay, God, I'll go ahead and do it because I don't want you to give all the boys cancer. Love one. Come on, amen. Aren't you tired of a shallow Christianity? It's shallow. When you think about, well, I've not committed adultery because I didn't sleep with my neighbor's wife. That's shallow. The love of God in you would pray for their marriage. The love of God in you would bless their marriage. Not feel justified because you didn't do something wrong. Let me tell you something. God is way more interested. He didn't want a bunch of rule keepers. He wants people that put His love on display, that put His character on display, that walk around this planet, that demonstrate this is who God is. The Pharisees believed that 
Holiness was not, you know, touching a leper. Jesus shows up. He thinks God has more power than the devil does. He believed that light was greater than darkness. He healed lepers by touching them. Holiness is not going around obeying all the rules of not doing stuff. You want to walk in godliness, then put the character of God on display. Let people see who He is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness. This is who He is. How shallow is that? Well, today I did good because I managed all my sin. I didn't do anything stupid today. If that's your goal, the people around you are missing out on seeing who God really is. That's what light and salt is. Amen. I'm coming. So he didn't live out of fear of punishment or any of those things. He really obeyed the Father because he loved the Father. So you know what our response to that should be? Our response should be, Lord, teach me to love. Teach me to love you. John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Second John chapter 1, verse 6 says, if we love God, we'll do what he asks. I don't. I don't separate myself from God and be like, okay, God, let me dance the dance of the good Christian guy and do what you ask to prove how much I love you. No, I'm in union with God already. The Spirit is in me. He's upon me. So what do I say? Lord, teach me to love and I'll keep your commands. If, if we abide in Him, His character is formed in us. We begin to walk in His ways and, and His person is being revealed. And then we, by default, become the kind of person who routinely does what He asks. I used to work so hard to obey. I worked hard at that. And I was terrible at it. Because it was my flesh and my human reasoning. Now I, now I work hard to stay at rest in His love. To learn His love for me. I don't start with Steve's love. I start with His. I start with His love. And I say, Lord, teach me. Teach me to love you. Romans 5.5 5 says, The love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. Love of who? So what's in your heart? Love. Love for God is in your heart. This has happened to you by the Holy Spirit. So here's a novel idea. Get to know the Holy Spirit. Ask Him to teach you how to love God. It's that simple, amen? It really is. But you gotta spend time. You gotta turn the, you know, the TV off and the internet and spend some time with the Lord. <laughs> Let me read this to you. You're welcome. Isn't it, isn't it good to realize when we rightly divide the new covenant from the old covenant how we're actually supposed to be living this life? And it's from Him, not for Him. So I wrote this this morning. It's my prayer journal. You probably can't read it because I abbreviate a lot. It says here, we learn to love God from God. Steve for years kept trying to figure out in his own human reasoning how to love God. I tried to figure it out. I tried to perform. I tried to do it in such a way it was acceptable. And then I figured out only God can teach us how to love Him. And so he said, Steve, let me love you and fill your heart into loving me and my word and my instructions. Let me love you into loving let me love you into loyalty to me. Isn't that awesome? I see, the work of the flesh says, by God, I'm not going to screw up today. Well, good luck with that. Because if you start with you, we're headed for trouble. So let's start with him. You get loved into loyalty, he said, not work hard into loyalty. So seek me. Ask of me, desire every day for me to just fill you fresh with a heart full of love for me. Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit has shed abroad in your heart love for me. Start every day with my goodness, Steve, not yours. Start every day with my love, not yours. 
Start every day with my holiness as your focus, not yours. And then throughout... uh, can't read that. Then, <laughs> then out of overflow of love and loyalty, guess what? You'll, beca- you'll become the kind of person inside that routinely does what I say. It's I'm learning to love from Him. I'm not performing over here and asking Him to bless my life. You're too late if you're trying to get Him to bless you. He already did. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everybody say, I've already got it. I mean, stop working for it. It's already yours. When Christ came in you to live, what did you not get? What, what do you not, what do you lack? If Christ Himself is in you, and this is the mystery of the gospel, Colossians 1.27, what do we not have? We have it all. So out of overflow of love and loyalty, you'll keep my commands and you'll have a heart that routinely does what I say. If you begin with you, Steve, it's only ending in one of two places, self-righteousness or condemnation. So let love and loyalty every day begin with you, uh, with me towards you. Start with mine. Amen. Religion cannot teach you how to love God. Rules cannot teach you how to love God. We try so hard through our mind and our intellect to obey Him, but it's going to come from your heart. You've got to let Him have your heart. You've got to let Him have your heart. I mentioned John fourteen fifteen. If you'll just love me, Steve, you'll keep my commands. And I said, then Lord, teach me to love you. And He said, go to 1 John four nineteen. You love because I first loved you. You, you start with how much I love you. Are we branches according to John 15, Jesus Christ? Branches don't do well independent of the vine. So a branch, a life of a branch is one of receiving connection. Comes through relationship, not rules. Fear is not near the motivator. Love is. Amen? All the parents said, amen? Word up, yeah, I'll take that. I'm sure you don't want Johnny by the time he's 16 obeying you because he's scared to death of you. At some point, you want something to come alive in your child's heart that says, I love you, Dad. And I love my friends, so I'm not going to do that to them. I'm not going to. That's what the Father desires. This is from Scott Kinnep. He wrote this to me, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power in our lives belongs to God and not to us. And he writes this, The reality that God could see us in our fallen state, but through love still pursue us, gives us the faith to believe and accept Him. And then after we come to Him by faith, He would wash us. We are these jars of clay, so clean, without spot, without blemish, that He could fill us with Himself. That's the treasure Paul is referring to. And this is the most incredible truth ever. This should make us all fall flat on our face and worship Him right now. Why would He do this? Because He loves us that much. He leads us as His ambassadors on the earth. Ambassadors represent the government, right? We represent Him. For His glory. What do you hear in this? Because this is what I wrote. The fruit of seeing how amazing our Father's love is, is worship and praise and obedience and relationship and glorifying the Lord with a love that loves Him back. So Scott sees how much the Father loves him. What's the Father doing? The Father is loving Scott into loving him. You see it? But Scott has a willful heart to see and to receive. But Scott didn't start with his own love for God. Scott began seeing God's love for him. First John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. So that's where we start. We begin with God. Anything that starts with you will wind up off center. I'm telling you. You're not made to be the center of all things. He is. 
So begin with Him. You were never going to be an obedient son apart from Him. That's what religion taught us. Try harder. Do more. Do you remember the Avis commercials? 1980s? Anybody? What was the motto of Avis? We try harder. Man, that's been the church for years. (laughs) You're not trying hard to be obedient apart from God. You can't be obedient apart from Him. He's given you the grace. He's given you the faith. He's given you His Word. He put His Son in your heart who loves Him very much. Holy Spirit shed abroad love for God in your heart. Tap in! (laughs) Yield! (laughs) Let. Amen. Is that you, Laura? Yeah. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let this mind be in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Oh, amen. Look at this one. This is Matthew 15, 8. Jesus said, These people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. What's he saying here? He's saying that new covenant obedience is from the heart. It's our love for him that comes from his love for us. When you had kids... Was it so you hoped that they'd grow up one day and live completely separate from you, separate themselves from you, and try hard to live life by your principles? Is that what you want for your children? Or would you like to have a living, vibrant, ongoing relationship during the course of their duration and yours on this planet? Amen. Relationship. And how many of you know sometimes we forget that as parents? We forget that it's not all about them just keeping all the rules and doing what I say. And But let me tell you who doesn't forget? God. As a father towards his children, he never forgets what it's really about. And that's why his love for you doesn't fail. He keeps coming and keeps coming. And I can't remember who it was. It might have been Scott again. Tuesday night at our, our M28 group just kept talking. He used the word relentless. God's love is relentless. He just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. He's like waves on the beach. He just doesn't stop. And when we begin to tap in and we surrender and we yield, instead of trying harder, we give up. And we let Him love us. Then what happens? He loves you into loving Him. He loves you into obedience. He loves you into loyalty. He shapes your insides to the point you become the type of person that does what He asks you to do. Obedience doesn't come from somewhere outside of God. If it does, it will produce death. Oh, that's, that's a good statement right there. Obedience doesn't come from somewhere outside of God. If it does, it produces death. Obedience comes from faith, not our attempts at self-righteousness. Romans 14, 23. Are you ready? Anything not from faith is sin. So anything that's coming out of, or that's not coming from the living voice speaking to your heart and spirit, and that you're acting out of that, is an independent, separated mindset, and it's sin. (laughs) Anything not from faith is sin. It simply means missing the mark. So the mark you're created to hit is total dependence and reliance upon the living voice. And religion has slain us over and over and over again. Even human intellect and the flesh. The flesh loves credit. The flesh wants to be, I did that. I am such a good little son. There is no righteousness apart from Christ. There's no obedience apart from Christ in your heart. Out of your partnership. It is a partnership because He's not going to make you obey, right? He's not going to make you say yes. You do have freedom of Freedom of choice. If you're born again, you don't have free will. Okay? If you're not born again, you don't have free will either. You're a slave to sin. And try as you might to be good, you're going to go back to sin over and over again. Here's the thing. The beauty of becoming a child of God today is because now you become 
a will that's bent towards righteousness. And try as you might to go live in sin, you can't. Anybody ever been there as a child of God? How many of you have done a big piece of stupid? Even though you were saved. Looked back on it and thought, how in the world did I ever do that? Right? Been there. But isn't it good to know He loves you too much to let you stay there? You just can't do it. A pig falls in the mud, he celebrates and wallers in it. Born again, child of God that's a sheep of the, the shepherd's pasture, we fall in the mud, we cry. We're like, dear God, get me out of this. <laughs> you ever seen that video that went, went viral? The, the, the farmer gets the sheep, he's stuck in a crevice, literally stuck because it's the width of the sheep's body. He, he goes, he drags that sheep out and the sheep is so happy, he goes, boing, 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 right back into the crevice. <laughs> it's a real video. I thought, my gosh, that, that is us. Sylvia, he, the bar, he took him out. Boing, boing, boing. Right back into. Oh. But because you're born again, your life's not your own. And Romans 6 teaches us that you're no longer a slave and a will towards sinfulness. Your will is bent towards godliness. So even when you stumble, he's right there coaching you up saying, Hey, that's not who you are. Let me convict you of how righteous you really are. Let me convict you of how loved and accepted you really are. Amen. Well, that's the power of the Christ life within us. Anything we do independent of God that's not sourced by God is missing the mark. I love John chapter 2, verse 5. Mary lays it out for us. Whatever he says, do. Do that. Amen? Whatever he says, do. Do that. Yeah. Wedding at Cana. Let me, I want to remind you of something I shared with you last week because it's important. We see in Scripture how much Jesus loves people. Amen? It's on display. Uh, The woman caught in adultery. He loves her. And then the funeral in Luke 7. He interrupts the the funeral. And the mom has already... She's lost her husband already. Now she's lost her son. Who knows what's going to become of her in that particular culture. But Jesus interrupts the funeral and raises the boy from the dead. And he didn't say, hey, mom, you know, come get your boy. Here he is. He takes the boy and walks him and hands the boy back to his mother. He washed the disciples' feet. That's a great act of love. And then he marches up to Calvary and dies for all the world's sin. Great act of love. And we do. We're right, we're right in saying he loves us. But you know who he really, really loves that led to his obedience? His dad. It was his love for his father that he did all those things. He's just doing what the father is asking him to do. Does that make sense? Scripture says, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you're trying to love people before loving God, you, you got things out of whack there. Because what happens is your, your human reasoning, the flesh, will start you know, qualifying people. If you're trying to love them, let your obedience begin with loving God first. The whole reason I'm loving you, Travis, is because I love my Father. I do love you, but what supersedes that is I love my Father. Yeah, and He's asked me to love you. And that way, if, if I'm loving Michelle and she's acting crazy one day, she threw it on Facebook that I was a bad preacher... <laughs> one time let it go no, I'm kidding we're kidding I can love her because my love my loving obedience isn't tied to her it's actually tied to the father so we so so we're back to square one again Lord would you teach me to love you I know we try to get I want to I want to love people better and rightfully so but start with God Lord teach me to love you and as I learn to love the father man I mature as a son. I become an obedient son who loves people well. And as I said earlier, puts God on display. I'll never forget when he told me that. Steve, if you think holiness and godliness is just keeping all the rules and not touching unclean things, you're shallow. True holiness and godliness is when people look at you and they can see me. When my character of love and joy and peace and forgiveness righteousness and purity of heart when that's on display through you that is holiness 
And we need to get that. I, listen, I know it's easy and the flesh likes it, but religion has dumbed this whole thing down for us. And we thought we were good little boys and girls because we didn't do something wrong today. Obedience doesn't start with just doing something or not doing something. Obedience starts with hearing and yielding obediently to the voice of your Father. Does that make sense to you? Two men are helping an older lady across the street. One is righteous in God's eyes. One is not. That would be really hard for us to tell because all we can see is there's two men helping an older lady across the street. One, though, has a heart filled with love for his father and for this woman. He was concerned for her safety. And so he acted. The other man said, if I help this old lady across the street, I'm going to get another star in my crown. God's going to really smile favorably upon me. I'll probably get a new car. Because the TV preacher, I mean, he said, How many were here the day I told on the TV preachers? Really? That many of you weren't here. If you're watching the TV preacher and he says, if you'll send me $100, I'll send you $1,000. Or sorry, he'll never say that. If he says, send me $100 and God will send you $1,000, call the number and say, if that's the word of the Lord, tell the TV preacher to send all of us $100. And God will send him multiple thousands and he can quit asking us for money. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. I know you want to. Go ahead. So if Michelle is the one who's helping the older lady across the street, she's not doing it separate from God so he'll give her points. She's doing it from a place of oneness with the Lord. She's, she's one with Christ. She is the body of Christ. Can we say again, never mistake the church for the building. So, so the Lord Jesus Christ is operating in and through her. He said in uh, John 16, it's better I leave. What? Because now Michelle's at that street corner, right? And Sylvia's over here in Choctaw and Paul's out there way out south, whatever that's called. <laughs> He multiplied himself. You see, it, it, John twelve twenty four. If the if the grain of wheat goes to the ground and die, if it doesn't die, it remains the only one. But if it dies, it scatters the seed. It multiplies itself. So so she's doing it to put God's love on display for this woman. When Annie is arrested in her heart, that this young man at the counter, the cashier, he is hurting. She's putting God's love for that young man on display. You see how rich that is compared to walking in there and having the mindset, well, I hope everybody in here is a Christian because I don't want to be tainted by anybody from the world. I don't want to overhear a cuss word. My ears might catch on fire. (laughs) That's religion for you. Can I say again what real godliness is is that the love of God for that woman was seen through Michelle, who is what? The body of Christ now. So wild about Jesus because he didn't leave after his death. He didn't leave after the resurrection. He didn't leave after... uh, I can't remember the other example I always use. But anyway, he's still with us all the way into Acts chapter 1. He's still here. And he spent 40 days telling his followers about the kingdom of God, that it's accessible and that the Spirit of God has come. Life with God's presence is here. It's good news. He's with you. Then he left. Right after he said, you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the earth. Why did he wait to leave? Because his real assignment was to get the Holy Spirit inside all of you. You don't leave until your assignment is done. So he didn't leave after his death or his resurrection or those things. He left once the Holy Spirit was on the the, uh, doorsteps of the church. That's that's so powerful. That's why it breaks my heart when for years so many churches just threw the Holy Spirit out. And we 
We've traded him for religion and shallowness. But it's, it's about union, and it's about putting him on display. So you're not apart from Christ. Everybody hear me say that? If you're born again, you're not apart from him. Well, what if I sin? Well, he doesn't leap out of your body. He's there to stay. Yeah, thank God for that, right? We'd be schizophrenic people. I may be like, oh my gosh, what's happening to you? Well, Jesus left my body. I, I sinned. In John 14, verse 16, he said, when, when I send you the Holy Spirit, he'll abide with you forever. Thank God I didn't say until Michelle, you know, says something I didn't approve of. I'll unbirth her. It'd be exhausting. Man, yeah. I do want, you know, it's a thought, but the same people that preach hell hot that God hates abortion turn around and tell people that he'll abort his own kids if they're inconvenient or don't do what he said. Isn't that wild? He's better than we know. You've got to get a hold of this. His character and His nature don't change because you mess up. You don't have the power to move Him off of who He really is. And I said it earlier. I know He could be any way He is God. He could be any nature or character He could choose to be. But He is love and faithfulness and relentless in it. You say, well, what about the Old Testament, Steve? Hey, I've read it too. That's why when Jesus shows up and says, if you've seen me, you've seen who he really is. Then I'm looking. Do I see Jesus put cancer on anybody? Do I see Jesus kill a family because they were sinful? I can't find that anywhere. Jesus is the true nature of God. God is Christ-like. That is a revelation the modern church must have and must live. Because if God is indeed Christ-like, He's not looking to go kill people. I mean, James and John and Luke 9 wanted to call down fire. That town, the Samaritan village, wouldn't let Jesus preach there. And they said, literally, can we kill him? And then they cited the Old Testament reference of Elijah. We'll just call down fire and burn him to a crisp. And Jesus said, it says He rebuked them. This is Luke 9, 51-56. He rebuked them. He severely censored them. And said, you don't know what spirit you are right now. I did not come here to destroy men's lives. I came to save them. That is your Father. Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus Christ is the visible representation of the invisible God. I've read the Old Testament as well. And while the law revealed came the knowledge of sin, through Jesus Christ in the new covenant came the knowledge of God. God hates sin. I, I can find that for you in the Old Testament. And nobody was born again. So he had to use reward and punishment, blessing and cursing to motivate people who didn't have the internal motivator you and I have. They didn't have the love of God shed abroad in their heart. So they had to use rules, blessing and cursing. Sounds like parenting, doesn't it? When when Johnny is five, you have to lay the law down. Johnny, no, you can't do that. You can't drive daddy's car. And if you do that again, I'm going to spank the fire out of you. (laughs) Am I right? You can put him in time out if you want. If you like that better. But but once we become of age, Romans 7 says the law was a tutor, or Galatians 3, uh, a tutor to bring us to Christ. Once Christ is in you, you're not living by law. You're not separate from Him. Stop living like He's not with you. So listen to him. He's in you. He's with you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And he who began a good work in you, he's faithful to complete it. So as long as you'll just keep listening and keep abiding and live the reality of your connection, you're not going to be God's first failure. God can't fail. <laughs> right. Well, I tell you, I know he'll work it out in Travis and Malena and they'll get to where they're supposed to be, but not me. That's just pride. You have more pride in your sin and your ability to fail than you have understanding of how much God loves you and the power of the Holy Ghost that's at work in you to conform you to His image. Well, how do I get there? Let Him. Let Him do it. Consent. All right, so you're not apart from Christ. Don't live independent. We, we do that because we think we've got to get there. You, Christ came to you. 
He came here. You're not trying to get up to heaven so you can get right with God. God came to you. He's already down by His love. He's already down. He came down. (laughs) He sure did. Died for you. Died for your tired self. (laughs) That in our pride judges ourselves unworthy of Him. We know you're not worthy. We know this. But He did it anyway. And that's how good He is. He's better than we know. My goodness. All right, look at this. True obedience will never be accomplished by law or obligation, but rather from a heart that's been awakened by and responding to God's love. My son Caleb's back there. I remember when he was a boy and I asked him to take the trash down. Well, he took it down. But he kicked rocks the whole way. (laughs) How many of you know that's not true obedience? I mean, he did what I said, but where's his heart? Come on, Dad, you know. But now he's 20, what are you, 24? Now he's 24 years old. He'll volunteer to do it. You need me to take the trash down when I leave? You see? It's not that complicated, guys. But I'm telling you, when we say we're a church that lives and relates to God through a new covenant economy, a new covenant relationship, this is what we mean. This is what we mean. You've got to rightly divide the old from the new. In the new covenant, we're not under obligation to obey, but rather we're under inner compulsion and persuasion from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. And where are they? Inside of us. John 14, 23, you can write that down, says, Jesus said that whoever loves Him, He and the Father will come make their home with Him. You've got Father, Son, and Holy Ghost living inside of you. We're like, man, I tell you, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> I mean, guys, we got the answer. <laughs> the people with all authority shouldn't be the ones griping the loudest. <laughs> well, Amen. But the good news is, I'm telling you, the waters are stirred. If you feel a leading in your heart, you know, to share with somebody your faith or how much the Lord loves them, man, do it. The waters are stirred. And if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. You're not even here anymore. Colossians 3 says you died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So they're really rejecting Him. So we're not under obligation outwardly to obey, but inward persuasion. How many of you remember when we studied faith? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. The word faith there is God's in-birth persuasion. He's persuading you through His voice, the living voice. He's persuading you to do what He's asking you to do. And it's going to be good for you. At the men's breakfast yesterday, we were talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit because He's a person. But He's not grieved in the way like, I've got grievances here with Tommy. I've got grievances with Ben. He's grieved because He wants what's best for us. Because when you as a sheep go jump back in that ravine or whatever that funny thing was, where, yeah, the crevice, his, his heart's breaking for you. Not because he needs something from you. Come on, Ben. Do better, man. You're making me look. He doesn't need anything from us. Amen. We need him. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what I was saying. Oh, grievances. Yeah. So <laughs> he's not sharing grievances. His heart breaks for you. Why? Because sin is unnatural for human beings. Now, it may be a custom in our country, but sin is unnatural. Sin will destroy everything you love. Therefore, it cannot be native to us. Are you hearing me? This is important. Sin is a lie. When He invites you to do whatever it is, you cannot be satisfied in sin. And it will hurt everything that you love. Sin is unhealthy as well. So it's unnatural for human beings. It's unhealthy. I was visiting with a guy the other day. I think it was the men's breakfast. He was talking about forgiving this person. And he was so excited, Michelle. He was liberated. He was like, my goodness. When I, when I finally forgave that person that had wronged me, I felt like a free man. Okay, that tells me forgiveness is native to us. Grudges are unhealthy. Ill will, the first half of the word is sick. Humans stay in ill will long enough. What are we made for? Goodwill. 
If you stay in ill will long enough, it'll make you sick. Why? Because the universe is not neutral. It's moral. It's made by God for God. You are no exception. You are made for Him. So every principle Jesus taught, every attitude He embodied, the, the Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, the humble, the meek, those who forgive, all the things, love, love people who don't love you. Everything He taught is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. Almost makes you think He made us. <laughs> yeah. Purpose preceded design, right? You don't make a car and then be like, well, let's put orange juice in it. Purpose precedes design. So when the engineers are designing the car, they know exactly what needs to go in it to make it operate healthy and live, you know, last a long time. You're no different. God didn't randomly make you and having no idea how you function. You function in love. You function in joy. You function when you forgive yourself. Are you hearing me? Forgive yourself and forgive other people. Why? Because He's already forgiven you. And who are you to contradict His Word? Who are you to say, No, my past is greater. No, it's not. Put your past in the boxing ring with the blood of God's only Son and it's a no contest. His blood is greater every single time. Go ahead and give Him praise. So sin is unnatural for human beings. Sin is unhealthy. And are you ready? It's unsatisfying. You cannot be satisfied by sin. And you know, if you'll practice gratitude, practice thanksgiving every day, take three things and thank God for three things or three people. Thank Him. And then practice contentment. Lord, I'm so thankful. We live in a country, what do you call it? I, I don't know if it's democracy, but however it works where there's supply and demand and consumer driven or whatever. So there's a lot of discontentment. You know, every TV commercial is trying to get you discontent with what you currently have so that you buy something. But we have contentment in Christ. And Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 that his secret to life was contentment. So thanksgiving and contentment, if you make that a regular part of your quiet time, of your drive to work or whatever, it'll silence sin. Because sin is really rooted in your discontent with whatever you have. And if you're married, you need to thank God every day for your spouse. Just list it off. Lord, I thank you. I know they're not perfect. And chances are they know they're not too. Okay, I thought I was close, but <laughs> Stacy will enlighten you. <laughs> But if, if, you're, if you're adding value, like, Lord, thank you for my spouse in these three areas, then they actually start increasing in value to you. Those are the things you think about. Whatever's pure, whatever's just, whatever's worthy of praise. Meditate on these things. But if all you do is let the enemy show you what they don't have, what they're not for you, how they don't complete you, blah, 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 then they'll diminish in value. And the enemy will send somebody across your path and say, ah, oh, look at this one. Look at this one. So sin's often born out of discontentment. All right, let me give you uh, a few scriptures here. 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. You're not separate from Christ, so don't let your, quote, obedience ever be separate from God. Just let Him teach you how to love Him, and out of your love for Him, you'll become a type of person that's obedient. Uh, Colossians 1.27, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer you that live, but Christ that lives in you and as you and through you. So just live connected to those realities. He's never going to bring you information. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit's never going to bring you information or instruction and be like, I'm going to watch you do it. Religion does that. Religion wants you separate because the flesh wants credit. So when he brings you information or instruction, he says, with it, let's do it together. All I need from you is your yes. <clears throat> I never saw God get mad at somebody in Scripture like Moses in Exodus 4, I think, is, is where it's at. He didn't get mad at Moses because Moses didn't think Moses could do it. Remember that whole dialogue? He got mad at Moses because Moses didn't think God could do it through him. And that's really, that's really our role. Second Chronicles 69, you can write that one down. It says the eyes of the Lord. Now, eyes connote grace because 
when grace is first mentioned in the Bible, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So in Second Chronicles 16, 9, and it's his perspective, it's his view, it's his glory, uh, it's his person. Second Chronicles 16, 9, the eyes of the Lord roam the whole earth looking for just faithful hearts, listen to me, to show himself strong on their behalf. Even though it's in the Old Testament scriptures, that's a picture of the New Testament. It does not say you're on your own to go show yourself strong for Jesus somewhere. Uh, uh, that's, that's why the world's like where the church is concerned. We went out there on Jesus' behalf and with our anger, we're like Peter and we chopped everybody's ear off. Right? What did Jesus do with the ear? Is it possible that he wants to use you and I to go out and about in this wounded country we live in and demonstrate the love of God? Can we help put your ear back on? Coming behind an angry church who judged everybody and executed judgment on them. And I'm not saying we don't speak the truth in love. Our culture, and I, I beg you as parents and grandchildren, please tell your children the truth. That there is truth. It's not up for them to determine. Human beings do not determine the truth. We discover the truth. Truth was here. He has a name. He's the one who invented it all. I was telling Stacy that yesterday. I wish I had spent more time telling my children that reality there because the media and so and and i know that you know there's two sides to the media in the world we live in but man and i don't know that either one of them is very healthy but i do not i just don't trust the media uh for the truth i feel like it's not even news anymore it's propaganda you know, one way or the other. So, so we better, if we're going to survive in the world we're living in, we better know the truth, amen? We, so you're going to have to go to Christ if you want to know the truth of what's going on. That's where things like we're not warring with flesh and blood come from. It's principalities and powers behind the destruction of this country. That's what's at work. And now they use people, but uh, that's the reality of it. So he's never bringing you information to be separate from him to go do on your own. It's always let's do it together. Um, I actually have two final scriptures to give you. And Matt, you guys can go ahead and come. Well, thank you for your patience. I went for a while today, but I think it was super helpful. I hope it was super helpful. Matthew 23, 23. Now, why am I showing you this? What's up, Matty? Um, the reason I'm showing you this is because obedience shouldn't ever come from a place of separation from god and just because you're doing something that the bible says you ought to be doing doesn't mean your heart is in the bosom of the father the pharisees were doing all kinds of biblical things but jesus had serious words for them are you with me this is about relationship he's not giving you instruction separate from himself he will give you instruction, but he'll say, Daniel, let's do this together. Let me, let me spur your heart to love your neighbor in this way, and we'll do it together. So here's Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and neglected the weightier matters, justice and mercy and faith. And we know faith works by love and by hearing the voice of the Lord. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Blind guides. Yikes, right? You strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And that hypocrite is an actor. You know, you're fakers. You're not genuine. You cleanse the outside of the cup. But look what he says inside. Full of extortion and self-indulgence. Everything you do, you do for yourself. See, the flesh loves it. The flesh wants to be separate from God and then obey God and now get me a little, you know, kitty treat. Give me a doggy biscuit for that. First clean the inside of the cup that the outside becomes clean. Woe to you, hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You're beautiful outwardly, but inside full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Remember the two guys I mentioned that were helping the older lady across the street? That's what, that's what he's talking about. He's dealing with the heart. He's dealing with union. He's dealing with the love of God is your motive. 
all uncleanness. And then even so outwardly you appear righteous to men, but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Boy, let's be the real deal. Amen. Let's be genuine article. Romans six seventeen. Thank God that though you once chose to be slaves of sin, now you've obeyed with all your heart the teaching God commands you. 800 times the word heart and cardia is in the, the New Testament. 800 times. Never once talking about an organ that pumps blood inside of you. Your heart is the seat of the new covenant contract that God has with His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you're in. You're in that contract. Will you stand with me? Wow. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Very important. Very important. If you have questions, boy, I know that was a lot today. If you have questions, go back, listen to it again. All our stuff is online. And then also, shoot me an email. Steve at gracechurch.community. You want to talk about it. You, maybe you grew up in a church that was super legalistic. You know, I understand. We, just, we, we want to help you. We want to help you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here this morning. You'd say, Brother Steve, I don't know Jesus Christ as you speak of Him. And I want to receive the person of His Spirit, His life, to be my life. I want Him to be enthroned on my heart and not me. I want to receive Him and receive forgiveness of sins and start this brand new life together. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up and say, pray for me, I want to receive Christ. Anybody, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you, brother. Thank you. Larry, right over here. With our, was it Jose? Uh, yeah. Amen. Good. Thank you, Jose. Praise God. Anybody else? I just want to know Christ, man. I want to receive him today. Let's pray this with our brother this morning. Say this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning to receive Christ's life. Lord, your heart inside mine. I receive you. I receive forgiveness of sins. I receive this brand new beginning. And that, Lord, I want to live by just abiding in you, living connected to you and to your voice and to your love every day. Lord Jesus, I'm yours. Make me more like you in my heart. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Amen. Bless you. Bless you, brother. Bless you. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the gathered church. I thank you, Lord, that the waters are stirred. Lord, we are an army. Lord, when we walk out of here today, we're walking into the mission field. And we are not afraid. We are not ashamed. Not of the real gospel. The real gospel of Jesus Christ is that you're in us, you're with us, you're upon us. Lord, be the words in our mouth. Be the love in our hands. Lord, be the gospel upon our feet. Lord, to make a difference with our co-workers, our schoolmates, our classmates, and Lord, especially in our family. Let us love well. Lord, let us love our spouses well. Let us love our children well. Lord, let us love our grandchildren and put you on display. I just hear the Lord prompting me. It's like we're just inviting them. Come and see. Come and see. Come taste and see how good He is. Religion will kill you, but Christ is the living breath of God. Come and see. Taste and see. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I see a church as an anointing, Lord, that is resting upon us in this hour, in our country, to be light and salt. Lord, I said it earlier. We are not afraid. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but power and agape love and soundness in our mind. Soundness in our mind. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So, Lord, I thank you for just resting upon us right now in this moment. It's like a mist that's falling in this room, Lord, to be your messengers, to be your ambassadors. That when people see us, Lord, that they would see you. And that when people hear our voice, let them hear you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Amen. Give him praise this morning.
we allow you just to emanate your presence, Lord, just to resound with your love. It's what this world needs. Pray for courage and strength for all these individuals in here. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, we'll be up front. Enjoy your day.